Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retiner, your host, broadcasting from my home in the Hamptons, where I have lived for over 55 years. I've written a dozen books about this glorious place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small tourist towns, quaint fishing villages, and a summer playground for eyes society, to what it is today, a world-class resort for celebrities, artists, musicians, authors, and billionaires. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. My guest today on Dan's Talks is Terry Wallace, a prominent art dealer in uh, the New York area who's been involved with art and and, uh, galleries for many, many years, who's now the director of um, a new museum in East Hampton. And um, I wanted to talk to him about that. And uh, Terry, uh, good morning. And um, last time we spoke, it was about a painting, actually a photograph involving Jackie Onassis, Jackie... uh, Bouvier. Jackie Bouvier, uh, who... um, was a uh, teenager out in the Hamptons and before she met and married uh, Jackie Ken- Jack Kennedy. And uh, all these photographs had been at a show, I think it was at the Moran House in East Hampton. People were told that you had the original of this. Is that correct? Did I have that correct? It's true. When I bought the painting, the lady who, uh, who gave me, sold me the painting, she gave me a box of photographs with it. And those photographs contained many pictures of Jackie when she was, a, was, when she was young and lived in East Hampton. What was the painting uh, that you got at that time? It was a portrait of uh, Jackie when she was 19 years old, painted by um, an American artist um, who was commissioned to do it by her father, Blackjack Bovier. This painting, I think, had been in the, uh, the house of owned by the aunts of uh, Jackie's aunt at that time, early on. When the uh, Bovier family challenged me in court, that was their assertion. However, the painting was never really there. It was given to a woman by the name of Teresa Shy whose father was one of the early presidents of the Guild Hall. And she was Jackie's writing instructor. And she was, um, was given a painting by Jackie as a memento. And then the painting passed down to her partner in life who owned the antique store up on Newtown Lane. I remember it because other people thought there was a problem with it and it's uh, in, in its history and uh, you proved otherwise. And I, I remember you were defending your integrity about it and that you would never ever not have a painting. You would never ever have a painting that you didn't know about where it came from. No, that's true. The, as you know, uh, the provenance of the artwork is the most important link between having the painting and selling a painting. And so um, I knew that it had a very solid provenance and I didn't pay very much for the painting. Uh, In fact, 
I, I would tell you I paid less than a couple thousand dollars for the painting, but it cost me about twenty-five thousand in legal fees to defend. Just it was just the you know it was just the point of my name. That's all my reputation. Yeah, how how did you get into? Uh, I know you also had a gallery from many years. I don't think it's there now, but you had the Wallace Gallery and was one of the most wonderful galleries in East Hampton. I used to stop every time I'd go up that alley. I'd stop and look at the paintings in the window. Sometimes I came in and met you and we selected some of the paintings during that time for covers and the paper. And these were many of them were from the turn of the century, the last century, not the current century. No, and you were, you were very uh, gracious about that. You really were a big help to us at the gallery. And we always appreciated that. How did you get involved in, uh, first of all, how did you come out to East Hampton and uh, uh, where are you from originally? I grew up in, in Hitzel, but my father was a military guy. And this is the re way I got into art. I lived in Europe until I was 16 years old. I lived in Italy, Germany. I lived in France. Uh, traveled to Turkey, Tripoli, and uh, developed a love of art at a young age and then pursued it as uh, my passion later on. What, what happened then after that? I graduated from high school at Hicksville High School. I was a, a pretty good athlete. Uh, and I was going to go to the Naval Academy. And uh, the coach, the lacrosse coach there, wanted me to go to a prep school. So I decided against that. And I went in the Marine Corps. And I ended up in Vietnam by the time I, I was only 18 years old. And um, after I got out of the Marine Corps, I went back to school on an athletic scholarship. And then I was in the magazine business for maybe seven or eight years. I had some vacation guides and I had some sports magazines. And then eventually I went in the finance business and then in the art business. What brought you out to East Hampton? Well, I had an uncle that had a charter boat in uh, Montauk in the 50s. Well, oh, you remember the name of it? At, I can't think of it. It's, it was a conjoining letters of, of the four girls in the family. <laughs> I just can't remember the name of it, but I found did find a painting of it one time and I gave it to my grandsons. I wish I could think of the name of it. I just it just escapes me. But what was uh, it? Yeah. His name was Tap House. It oh. was a Tap House. And um, so uh, that's how I started to come out. And then uh, as a young man, I spent more time here and eventually bought my first house here in 1978. When did you open the gallery? How long have you had that? Well, the funny thing about it, when I first came here, I had been in the finance business for 20 years and um, was kind of talked into the art uh, business by two partners I had. And they gave me a quick education. They would buy art as an investment. They were about 30 years older than I was. And uh, they, um, after they encouraged me to start buying art, I started collecting art. I came out here and really wasn't doing anything. And, and a friend of mine asked me if I had been in a retail business. and. So I asked him why. He said, well, I have a store. I'm looking for someone to run. It was a David's Cookies next to the theater. And so I ran a David's Cookies first. And then I opened a store down the street called Nuts About Chocolate, where Dylan is today. 
and I had a gallery downstairs and eventually I moved across the street next to the ice cream store in 1995. So I was there for quite a while. How did you, how did you like it out here compared to where you'd been before? Well, I love it here because, um, and I love it here more, I think, in the off season and the on season because of the solitude, but the light out here is fantastic. And I think what's really great out here is you meet, so, at least I did, so many people from so many different backgrounds. Yes. I'm always interested in people. And um, this, is, this is one of the reasons I went in the, in the art business as a, as a career, because I felt that, you know, I was going to meet a lot of interesting people, and a lot of people who maybe thought the way I did, maybe thought differently than me, but it was, it was a great experience for me. Now you've taken on a position with the town, I guess, or you're volunteering it. Tell us about the uh, museum and how the history of that house. I was, so I'm in the Gardner Mill Cottage Gallery. It's a museum and now an exhibition center. The property which it sits on is the earliest property in East Hampton, right next to the Gardner Windmill. And Lion Gardner settled this property here in 1640, built his first house here. The house came down in this house where I'm presently at was built in 1880. And it housed uh, Percy Moran, who was the son of Edward Moran and the nephew of Thomas Moran. It was his studio. They lived here for the summer and they, he would have the studio in, his, um, in the windmill right next door to me. Billy Gardner, uh, Billy, uh, you know, Mears Gardner, he owned this property. It inherited from his mother, Isabel. And uh, the, the town wanted to preserve this property. Uh, because, you know, not just because it was an early homestead, but it had a nice big piece of land attached to it. I remember, I remember that there was a, uh, uh, a gardener who lived in it in the uh, 70s and 80s in that era, uh, ran for village mayor, I think, or the village board. And he was rather well known in the community in the, the house was, um, had been wrapped, I think, with, fair to say, with porches and stuff. Yep. So it wasn't quite as, as uh, pristine as it became when they began to come back down to the original house after that was purchased. And I also remember that there was a grass airplane strip connected with that house in the back. Do you recall that? There was, and in fact, uh... Bill, who, who owned the house and who did sell it to the town of East Hampton. Well, Gardner. Uh, Billy Gardner, yeah. He, um, he also had a Beach Boys concert in the back one time. <laughs> yeah, he did. They didn't want to give him a permit, but, you know, being a Bill uh, Gardner, you know, he said, we're having a Beach Boys concert, and that, that was the end of it. So <laughs> that, was a, that was a while ago. But this is a great piece of property here. And the greatest thing about it is that this property is going to be protected for forever. It's always going to be the way. I look out my window right here where I'm at now at the Gardner Cemetery, and it's going to be the same way in 100 years from now. That's very refreshing to me. Yes. You know, it really is because, you know, we all of us, I think, who love the East and 
are working hard to preserve it. And um, whether, you know, we're doing what you do, or what I do, whatever, we, we've seen a lot of it escape our hands. And so now we're really trying to clamp down and keep whatever we have. Yeah, I thought it was an absolutely stunning development uh, to see that parcel come into the hands of the town. They'd held, um, when it was uh, still owned by the gardeners, they had the uh, uh, author's night on that lawn in the back. And I just remember seeing the, the, uh, the restoration of it took less than a year, I think, maybe a year and a half. They took out all the pieces that didn't belong to the original house. I thought it went back to the 17th century, but it didn't. It's the 18th. Well, this house was built in 1880. The original house next door, which was next door, closer to where the windmill is, was built in 1640. But this house was built in 1880. In fact, one of the interesting things here is that Sonia Henning lived in this house. The ice skater. Uh, yeah, the ice skater. She, she lived in this house. And um, every once in a while, we say, you know, we hear Sonia downstairs skating on the floor, you know. <laughs> It, uh, because we have some unusual things happening here, and then it's pretty interesting. But uh, Bob Hefner, when he got this project, like you said, he started to take dismantle it and put it back to the way it was originally. After he did that, they put a fire suppression system here and a temperature, a climate control system, which is wonderful. And Bob and Richard Barrons had been in my house one day. And they noticed that I had quite a few 19th century paintings from the earliest art colony of East Hampton hanging on my walls. And they said to me, well, why don't you hang these in your art guy? I said, well, these are amongst my favorite paintings and they tell the story of East Hampton. And they asked me if I would be willing to sell them to the village for the museum. And so uh, the Gardner Foundation purchased 25 paintings from me for this museum. and then. Alec Baldwin generously bought five from me for the museum. And then I donated six paintings and then a few friends donated a few. And so basically what we have here is a very nice little pictorial history of what happened here from 1870 to 1900. And it's a really refreshing little place because it's a small space you can get up close and personal to the paintings. And this is the way it was when I first got here after Mayor Larson uh, got into office. He asked me if I would like to come over here. So I give him a lot of credit for it. And um, after I was here for six months, we were not getting a lot of traffic here. So uh, I recruited a young lady who used to own Chrysalis Gallery, Andrea Begovic. And um, we started to do exhibitions for living artists because we thought that if we did, there's very few places for living artists out here to exhibit their work besides Guildhall, besides Ashwaugh Paul. We thought if we started to do this, we would increase our traffic and educate people about what we have. And it's worked out really well for us. I might note this is on James Lane, which is on the uh, south side of Town Pond. Uh, for people who don't aren't familiar with it, it's between uh, the Hedges House and the uh, Episcopal Church, I guess 
would be fair to say where it was located. And uh, it's a beautiful site. How large is the acreage there? Well, we have, we have about six acres here. And we go all the way. We go pretty far back. And um, this, there was a second house on this property, which was removed. Uh, Bill Gardner was building another house, but uh, they took that down and we put some fruit trees back there. Does it go all the way to the ocean? No, um, there is a house uh, which is all the way back on the property, back near the, uh, the Flynn zone. And that's all the way back to where the Maidstone um, tennis courts are. And now they're going to put up, the Flynn daughter is putting up a house in front of that, a barn in front of it. But it's, it's very wide open. And uh, we're hoping to utilize the property with some outdoor art shows and with some craft fairs and things like that. Community things, you know, things that will, you know, interest, you know, uh, maybe bring a little bit of money to the museum, but will bring some culture and some fun to people who are residents here. What's the uh, current exhibit there now? Right now, I'll hold it up for, we have a great show on um, Rodman Pelt, who uh, was, they called him the Grandpa Moses of Greenport. He ah. was a, uh, he was a pretty, started painting uh, after he had a heart attack, uh, after he was in his early 60s. And he was a fish dealer in uh, Greenport and he set up the studio and one of the first things this guy did was, was able to sell a painting to UNICEF and he used it as a Christmas card. And so we're doing a major retrospective on his work. And we have some great local paintings like Home Sweet Home. I, we have a picture here of Home Sweet Home I can show people, uh, which is nice. Uh, but also uh, we've been doing a lot of shows, local shows for say the Wednesday group were plein air painters and they paint next to the window. And we've been doing the Artist Alliance, helping them find venues because it's, you know, most places that want to exhibit local artists work like Ashwalk Hall, they give them the two or three days and we're offering, you know, two, three, four week exhibitions, yes. which is great. You know, it's really gives an artist a chance to be seen. Up in Springs, Ashwa Hall. Yeah. What's, uh, when is, what's the next exhibit after this one? Have you figured that? This, this one here ends in, in a couple of weeks, uh, the Rodman Pell. And then the next one is Caroline M. Bell, who, is, um, who has always been an artist that I've worked hard to promote. Uh, she was 96 years old when she passed away in 1970. And um, I wrote a couple of books about her. She was a North Fork artist. But she rented a house for quite a while on Route 114, and she was in the earliest, you know, member shows at Guildhall, and painted. She was a relative of the Denniston Bell family in uh, Amagansett, and so she has very good, you know, South Shore roots. And then uh, the next one after that will be we're going to we're calling it our Long Island. It's paintings of uh, Eastern Long Island from 1870 to 1940. So basically, the things, you know, during the summer that you know, I'm very passionate about trying to help oh, promote those sure. artists. Tell a story about Home Sweet Home as you know it. It's such, so you're, that's quite near to you. Uh, they have their own windmill or actually two windmills in the 
in that part of our town uh, and uh, together with the uh, one at the other end at Hook Mill, it's uh, the, the assemblage of three beautiful uh, 40, 50 foot tall windmills that the new mayor is lighting up with um, uh, the, the uh, blades are now lit with lights at night. It's gorgeous. But uh, there's such a fascinating story. Are you familiar with the, how the Home Sweet Home got its name? No, I'd like you to tell me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, he, he apparently uh, went off. He, he, was, he lived there for a short time. He was, he, he was not actually, um, it wasn't his original birthplace. But after he left and he became famous for writing a song called Home Sweet Home, uh, the people that owned Home Sweet Home, <laughs> which hadn't been called that yet, um, decided that they would, they would uh, rename their, this house where he had lived as Home Sweet Home, even though he wasn't referring to that when he wrote the song. <laughs> so um, I thought that was always a very interesting anecdote about the history of East Hampton Village. And now you know about that. Well, the other thing, too, is that the windmill that's next to Home Sweet Home, the Panago Mill, that windmill was down at the end of the street where the hook mill is. And it was moved, moved there. And a lot of people think that that windmill was there. You know, not the Gardner windmill next to me, that was always here. Uh, but these other windmills, they at times get moved around. In fact, yesterday I was on Shelter Island. I saw the Sylvester Mill, which was over near Sylvester Matter. They moved it to a field over there. So that's uh, just what happens, you know. Was there, were there two windmills at the other end of town then where the Hook Mill is now? There were. There was the Hook Mill and there was a Panago Mill. And they were, they were down at that end of Hill. And Panago Mill, I believe, was moved next to home. Were they near to one another? Yes, not far at all. In fact, um, Picturesque America, um, an artist by the name of, uh, Flint, of, of Harry uh, Fenn, did some illustrations of the two windmills when they were close by in the, I think, in the 1880s or 1890s. So there's a record of it someplace. So if you wanted to do some grinding into flour, you go to one and if it was busy, you'd go to the other. Something like that. I don't know what, how they work, but I just know that they were close to one another because the, and I'm only going by that by based on the, you know, paintings and things. And, and a lot of the things that, you know, um, that, that have interested me here was pre-photography. So, you know, this is the way, and I just found a painting, a really nice painting, uh, which is of uh, up near Maidstone Park. And, Many people, painting was done about 1890, and a lot of people weren't going up that way in those days. You know what I mean? There was not many people, only a few farms out there. Well, um, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. And what are, are there, does the museum keep ours? And uh, tell That's us about the, and the name of it and where it is. Well, the, uh, we do have ours. We're open from Friday through Monday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, 11 to 4. And um, we are open Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday by appointment if someone wants to call us. We have a website, gardenermillcottagegallery.org. And uh, this Saturday coming up from um, 
one to five, we're going to have a, what we're calling a spring open house. We're trying to introduce more people in the community to this. It's a real little gem of a place. And uh, there's not too many places where you could see the paintings that we have by some of the best known American artists, Thomas Moran, Edward Lampson Henry, um, Alfred Wordsworth Thompson. We have some terrific paintings of East Hampton and Montauk. And um, most museums, you know, it's, you can see the paintings, but you're standing 10 feet away. These, you can really look and, and see the way the artists worked. So, and this is, of course, before the shocking development of the abstract expressionists coming out. Yes, but I still like the abstract guys there. You know, this was a precursor to them and the Surrealists. And, you know, it's great for our history, for our local history. It really is. Well, I'll stop by and say hello to you there. And uh, thanks again for being on the podcast. And I'm talking to Terry Wallace, uh, the art collector and uh, dealer. And uh, thank you again. Dan, thank you. And I, like I said earlier, uh, I always appreciate the support you've given both at the gallery and here and whatever I've done. You've written some great articles, uh, you know, especially, uh, you know, like ones with the, uh, you know, with the Jackie painting and the other one about the great one about, you know, when we caught the guys, they stole the paintings out of the houses. I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah, sure. One the guys, you know, but um, it's been a great time. Okay, bye-bye. All right, good to talk to you. Have a great day. Bye.